I might just pray. Uh, dear God, uh, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for uh, this place and these people. Um, and we thank you that uh, we can come to you and that we can praise you. Uh, amen. So for the last three weeks um, over these school holidays, we've been looking again at the Psalms. Um, three of them, 145, 146, and, a, and now today, 147. And I wonder if you've noticed something. There's something that links all three of these. Um, in Psalm 145, uh, and I asked Phil this this morning, whether this was a fair summary. Uh, the, the point of the psalm is that our knowledge and praise of God should be passed on. Um, and I'm going to simplify that even further. Who should praise God? Uh, last week, in Psalm 146, uh, we were told how we should praise God. Uh, this week, we've got another fairly concise and simple summary. Why should we praise God? Uh, on the face of it, it seems pretty simple. He's God. We should praise him because of everything. Um, or at the very least, if we're not going to praise him because of everything, we should just praise him because he's God. And that's what this psalm is about. And it's, it's a wonderful psalm. As we look through, it's full of all the good things that God does and all of the good things that God is. So let's, let's have a look at it. Let's take it apart. Uh, now, as... As a musician, uh, when I'm looking at songs, I notice structures of songs. Um, I notice where the verses or the choruses are. Um, I notice, do we have a bridge? Do we have a coda at the end? And now, in our Bibles, we have chapters and verses, but in songs, we have different kinds of verses. And in this psalm, we have verses in both senses. We have three verses uh, and a coda at the end. A coda is just a music word for a bit at the end. Uh, each verse, we can see how it breaks up. In verse 1, we start with praise the Lord. Uh, in verse 7, we get told to sing to the Lord with grateful praise. And in verse 12, we get told extol the Lord and praise your God. This is the start of our verses. Each verse starts the same way. Uh, and then our coda, our bit at the end, it ends with praise the Lord. So each section is thrown together in that way. Each section tells us to praise the Lord. And then when we have a look at it, each section tells us why we should praise the Lord. And they give us different reasons each. I'm going to start with the coda because I'm a perverse person and I like starting at the end. God tells us to praise him. Why does God tell us to praise him? Well, he has revealed his word uh, to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. This is verse 19, if you're following along. Uh, we're told we should praise God because he's told us about him. 
this is why I wanted to start with Dakota, because the rest of the psalm is telling us some of the things that God has told us. Section one. Uh, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is, fit, it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. And then God tells us what he's done. And each of these sections, I'll say this now so that in each section it's not a surprise, we get told things that God has done for creation things that God has done on the grand scale that everyone can see. And then we get told what God has done for Israel, for God's people. On the grand scale, God has, uh, in verse 4 and 5, he's determined the number of the stars. He gives them all of their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power, his understanding is beyond measure. What's God done on the grand scale in creation? He's made everything. He's big enough that he knows every single star. Um, we read in Job 38, um, God himself says to Job, can you bind the chains of the stars? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? All of these are stars. And God's saying, look, I know all of them. I tell them all what to do. Can you do that? He says to Job. And the answer, of course, is no. And for us, looking at this psalm today, we can sit back and we can say, well, God is that big. He's big enough that you know, stars that are light years apart he pulls them out together to show us every night their beauty. He calls them by name. Well, what does he do then for us? Well, verse 2 and 3, he builds Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast. He heals the brokenhearted and binds their wounds. While God is pulling the stars into place, and calling them by name. He's gathering his people together. He's healing them. He's binding their wounds and healing their sadness. So how much, how much more, if God knows the stars, how much more does he know us? Well, he knows, he knows what we need. He calls us. He gathers us together and he heals us. If we look forward in the Bible, this is our good shepherd sort of picture of Jesus, isn't it? Section 2. Uh, this one goes from verse 7 to 11. What does God do in creation? Well, he covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens the cry. This is what he does. He cares in the same way as he cared for us. He cares for all things that he's made. Uh, now, if you have a pet at home, your pet will know when it's food time. Um, every, every time it gets to you know, whatever show it is on TV that the pet knows or whatever 
time it is that the pet is ready for. Whoever it is that walks through the door, that the pet knows this is when we eat, the pet goes to where the food is. And this is our picture here. Creation knows God because creation looks after God. Um, now, this is a bit more tenuous. Um, he also talks about the plants. I, I'm not a plant person. Um, I can't keep plants alive if I try, and I can't kill them if I want to. They just do whatever I don't want them to do. But if you're a plant person, if you've got indoor potted plants, I've talked to people who swear, they, they swear blind that in the morning, when they go to water their plant, the plant, I don't know how it does this, but looks happy when they approach. And this is what creation does. The, as God is looking after the plants and the animals, the plants and the animals are trusting and loving God. Well, the, the first thing we have to say in this section is that well, we should love God in that way, not as one of God's pets, but as someone who trusts God, who knows that God cares for them, um, and as someone who depends on God. Uh, we see this in verse 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, not are afraid of him, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who are just filled with God is amazing uh, and God is pleased in those who hope in his steadfast love, in those who, when God cares for them, know that God cares for them. Section 3. Uh, we have verses 12 to 18. Well, once again, what do we see that God does in creation? Well, here we see that God controls the weather. Now, the one thing, if it's the one thing that we can't do anything about. Um, Phil went camping this week. I'm sure he would have liked an extra day of sun. Um, if, uh, if you've ever talked to anyone who has any farming, uh, they'll tell you that it rained at the wrong time um, or it was dry at the wrong time. God can control this. God does control this. The one thing that we can do nothing about, God controls. Uh, he sends out his commands to the earth uh, and lays out snow, scatters the wind, hurls down hail, and then sends out his word and melts it in summer. His control of the weather is his control, his command of the earth. And what does he use this control and his commands to do? Well, we jump back to the start of this section, verse 13 and 14. He strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest of the wheat. 
his control over the earth is to give us strength, protection, blessing, and peace. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, we, we look at what God has done, and we look at what God does for us. Uh, he knows all the stars, and in the same way as he knows all the stars, he knows us by name, and he knows what we need. Uh, he cares for the animals and the plants, and he's pleased in us when he can do the same for us. Uh, he controls the weather and the earth, and he uses that to protect and bless us. There's a few verses that I skipped as we went through. Um, I've got this on my little sheet here. I've got, so, so you can all see and that I'm not lying, I've got uh, what God's done generally in creation, uh, what God's done for Israel or for us, and I've got uh, this column here is entitled, So What? Because there's, there's a little twist in all of these things uh, with what God does. In our first section, while God is uh, gathering and healing us and knowing all things, he's sustaining the humble and casting down the wicked. Okay, that's, that's a bit of a left turn, isn't it? You know, well, in the next section where he's feeding the animals and you know, he's caring for us and he's pleased in his care for us, he's not pleased in our greatness. Okay, so that's, that's another bit of a left turn there. And in the third section, while he's controlling the weather and protecting and blessing us, we see also that he's just in complete control of everything. It's not as far of a left turn, but it's still something that should make us stop and think for a second. When we put these things together, we have a picture of a God and a picture of his people. Uh, we have a God who does amazing things for us, and we have a people, uh, a people who, well, who sort of have an option, a people who can live in humility under God or who can be convinced of their own greatness and the need to, or the lack of need to follow God. And we hear stories about this all the time. Um, people who can do it all themselves and don't need God or who've done something and thus they don't need God. I want, I want us to think about that for just a second while we look again at the coda. It's the end, so you've got to do that at the end. I'm going to read out the whole thing. Verse 19 and 20. He declares his word to Jacob and his laws to Israel. He has not dealt this way with any other nation. They do not know his ways. Praise the Lord. Once again, we've got a bit of a left turn, don't we? Uh, we should praise God because he's told us about him. But then in verse 20, he hasn't told everyone about him. And this is where those left turns come home all at once, isn't it? 
You see, uh, in these days, uh, when it was written, you didn't know about God except as the God of Israel unless you were a Jew. You didn't know what he'd said. You didn't know what he'd done unless you watched his people. Nowadays, this is my spare Bible. I've got another one at home. I've got one on my phone in my pocket. Um, you can just, if you're at home and you didn't pack your phone for some reason and you don't have uh, a Bible there, you can just type into Google and find out all the good things that God has done. We're in a different time now, aren't we? God has made his word available for everyone. Um, and yes, it's harder in some places, but he's not pleased with those who look at it and don't need it. He is pleased with those who look at it and say, thank you, you're amazing, God. He's pleased with those who praise him according to uh, what they've done or what God has done. Now, uh, I'm not much of a monarchist, um, so this last month has sort of been lost a bit on me. Um, and when I look at the new king, um, he's, he gets praise for, uh, uh, in my perspective, a bit of a historical quirk of who his ancestors were uh, and what his family name is. Now, we haven't had much time to see him as a king, um, but you know, what's he done that's worthy of praise? As you know, I don't know because again, I'm not a monarchist and I don't read the you know what he does every month. But he hasn't done what God's done. Is he worthy of praise? Uh, similarly, uh, I'm not much of a sports person. Um, sorry, but sports people, they get praised for what they've done. And then when the almost inevitable uh, scandal comes out and they're found you know, with three kilos of drugs sitting under their back seat, and th th this causes a huge problem for people who love them for what they've done. Because who are they? Well, just like most of us, most of them aren't great people. And then our praise runs out. We look at this psalm and we see a God who isn't like that. We see a God who, he is amazing and he is worthy of praise and he is great. And we see a God who has done great and amazing and praiseworthy things. Why do we praise God? Or who should praise God from two weeks ago? Well, everyone. And we should tell everyone to praise God. How do we praise God? Well, th this is a work in progress, isn't it? Um, we do it in all sorts of ways. But why do we praise God? We praise God because of who he is and what he's done. And what he's done for us. And of course, the biggest thing that he's done for us is he sent Jesus. I mentioned Jesus at uh, sort of the start, the good shepherd. 
Um, that picture of someone who gathers us in and looks after us and cares and heals us and feeds us and blesses us and feeds us with the finest of food. That's Jesus, isn't it? And not more than that, he died for us. That is worthy of praise. <laughs>